excited uh, that you joined us today. Um, my name is Pastor Derek Parks. I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Epiphany Church. And listen, if you can't tell, we are excited about Jesus in this place. Maybe just me? No, just one or two people. We're excited about Jesus here at Epiphany Church. That's why we exist. That's why we will continue to exist because of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So uh, we're just thankful to the Lord today. So uh, we're, I'm, I'm preaching to you today from a title called Brand New. If you can't tell, we're a little brand new in here today. <laughs> so God is up to some uh, marvelous things. He's up to wonderful works uh, in our life, and we just feel brand new. We just feel like God, listen, God has done some great things, and we're just thankful to be a part of what God is up to. So um, we're going to jump in today to Isaiah chapter 43, be in verse 18 through 19. Father, bless these your words, God. Speak to us today. May it be truth, light, and joy to our souls. In Jesus' name. Isaiah 43, verse 18 through 19. Hear these words of our Father. It says, do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to things of old. Then he says, look. Can I get somebody to say look? Look. That was good. Good job. (laughs) He says, look. Mira. (laughs) I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we pray a blessing over your word. God, I pray right now that you would stand in my body and think through my mouth and speak and speak through my mouth, God. And I pray, Lord, that that this time will be devoted to you, God. May I disappear up here so that you might appear mighty and strong, God. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, with thanksgiving, Lord. And let the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, and my redeemer, in whom I place my trust in Jesus' name. And the whole church said... Amen. Amen. I would be remiss if I didn't do this. Um, we're here uh, in this space. This is our first Sunday gathering here uh, in this new space that God has blessed us with. Amen. Um, but this didn't happen just by some fairies stopping by and sprinkling some magic fairy dust uh, across the room. <laughs> it didn't happen like that. We had a gang of you, a gang of our Wonder Team members who rallied around to serve and commit their time, their talent, uh, and their commitment to serving to make sure that this place was transformed uh, so that we could have this, the, the epiphany flare on this space uh, so that people could come to know Jesus in here. So uh, I, I want to give a shout out to all the Wonder Team members that served. You give it up for yourselves. Y'all can do better than that. Give it up for yourselves. Some of you were here till 2 in the morning, 4 in the morning, 12 at night, uh, getting phone calls, wondering where you're at and all that stuff like that. <laughs> so <laughs> she said, yep. <laughs> so we thank God for you guys. Um, but I, 
There's a comedian by the name of Haha Davis. He's coined this phrase. Um, he says, when somebody does something uh, new or they got some new shoes or a new outfit or they're behaving differently than what they normally behave like, he says, y'all acting different. Anybody ever hear Haha Davis say that? He said, y'all acting so different. I ain't never, ever, ever seen you act like this before. <laughs> so, listen, and that's us. But because of Jesus Christ, each and every one of you in this room is different. See, your former life, the way that your life used to be, it's not that way anymore because Jesus has transformed you and he has made you new. So it's a bunch of y'all in here acting so different because Jesus has made you brand new. And we're excited about that. And I, I don't want to show you this in this passage today because if you're going to be brand new, the first thing that you got to do is you got to forget about the past. If you're going to be brand new, you've got to forget about the past. Here in this passage, in verse 18, uh, the, the writer, right, he says, do not remember the past events. See, this passage, we, in this passage in Isaiah, we see the restoration of, of Israel. Earlier in, in, in the chapter, God tells Israel not to be afraid because God has redeemed them. He, he says, I have called you by your name. Why? Because you are mine. That's good news that we belong to the Lord, that we are his and he calls us his own. And we give thanks to God because of that reality. He may have heard been in love. I, I see some married folks. I should have heard a little bit more uh, uh, oomph than that. What's going on in here? <laughs> Anybody been in love? Right. You've been so in love before, right? That they just them just them saying your name makes you feel all different. Everything just changes. You just you having a bad day and they just say your name. They don't even say your full name anymore. They just say Bay. Hey Bay. <laughs> and you get all warm and fuzzy and start melting and stuff like that. Nobody even knows what Bay means. Like it just they say Bay and you go melting. But have you ever been so infatuated that the person just saying your name just changes everything? This chapter, that's what this chapter is. God's love letter to Israel is on display. In verse number one, he tells them, fear not, for you are mine. In verse number two, he says, I will be with you and I won't let anything harm you. In verse number four, he tells Israel, listen, baby girl, you are precious in my sight. And fellas, I want you to take some notes here because God is teaching you how to talk to lady, okay? And he's saying here, Israel, I love you and I will defend your honor no matter what. And so because of that, he says, don't remember the past things. God is saying, don't even mention your past. See, God is saying, I'm such a good lover. I'm so kind and I'm so good that the ones who've done you, done you wrongly in the past, they don't even matter because the love that I have for you overshadows that love that they didn't give to you. So God is saying, in other words, don't be so stuck in your past that you can't see his present help. Uh, I wish I had a witness in here today. God's saying, don't be so caught up in your past that you can't see the present help that he's provided for you. And so here, most of us, this passage is telling us, is, is saying to us, because the word means to, to make a memorial. And it says, don't remember, it's, it also can also mean don't make a memorial. So God is saying, stop making memorials to your past. See, so many of us value the hurtful places in our past. 
We hold those hurtful places like a warm blanket around our necks to soothe the reality of our present condition. We say stuff like, you know, I I didn't have a father in my life. That's why I can't take initiative on anything. You know, you know, my mother was very controlling and she's the reason why I can't have relationships with people. When I was in the ninth grade, my English professor, my English teacher gave me a poor grade. And now I'm a perfectionist because I can't bear that embarrassment anymore. We love the painful parts about our past and we hold on to them and think that they are supposed to shape us and shape who we are. But instead of focusing on the, the, the love of our great redeemer, we focus on the monuments that we have erected to the past. So he says here, don't remember the past events. God's telling us, do not remember the former things that you used to do. So what this passage is pointing to is pointing us to what our ancestors, this this word can imply, is ancestors. So he's saying that this is talking about the generational sins of our past. See, you you know I didn't have a dad growing up. That's why I'm not there for my kids. You you won't believe how many times I hear dudes say that to me. Like, yeah, I'm not there for my kids. My dad wasn't there for me. I'm like, that don't make good sense. Like, that don't sound good. That, that doesn't even sound right. But these are the excuses that, they, that we use and hold on to. We say that there's no, no, no male role model in my life. That's why I, I can't be consistent and keep a job and know how to pursue a woman. That's okay. Y'all quiet. We say stuff like my mama, she went from relationship to relationship, and my dad wasn't around, so I just give my body away freely because I'm searching for love and affection. But listen, let me help you out, fellas. I'm pause and say this. Our communities need to be consciously aware that the, about the decisions that we make and how they impact our children. We must be mindful of that. Men, we, we, we need to stand up and be the men that God is calling us to be and take back our families and take back our communities and take back the things that the devil has tried to steal from us. We need to stand up and be the kind of men that God has called us to be. That one was for free. Listen, I, I can't tell you how often I have conversations with young women and they tell me, that the men in this generation are trash. That's a direct quote. They say the men in this generation are trash. They can't hold a job. They're emotionally insecure and unstable. And they don't know how to pursue a woman. All they want is sex with no intimacy. But we've got to stop allowing the ghosts of our past to dictate the spirit of our present reality. See, if, if, you're, if you want to learn how to be a biblical man, then stop being on Facebook. And put your face into his book. See, if you want to learn how to be a real biblical man, stop liking tweets and start liking his text. If you want to be a real big biblical man, stop watching stories on the Snapchat. Does that say that right? The Snapchat. Stop watching stories on Snapchat and open up the flaps of your Bible. If you want to be a true biblical man, then stop double tapping on IG and spend double time with the real IG, the immutable God, the infinite God, the inscrutable God, the incomparable God. Spend some real time with the real IG and then you can move and be a biblical man that God is calling you to be. Women, you too. You ain't off the hook. Stop looking to Pinterest to teach you about how to be a better woman. 
and put some interest into his word. See, let me get back to this passage. I'll, 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 I'm gonna, let me get back to this. See, God is, God is on here swagging in this passage. Y'all know God be swagging. He be like, I'm God. <laughs> you didn't know, baby boy. Like, look at me. I'm God. Listen, so he be on there swagging. So he's saying, listen, baby girl, you're mine. You're precious in my sight, Israel. I love you. You were created for my glory, and I won't let anything happen to you. So stop focusing on your past. Fellas, he's, he's teaching you how to talk to a woman here. And ladies, he's teaching you what to expect from a man in this, in this passage. But we got to stop using the ghost of our past as a crutch. Hear me. Stop using the ghost of your past as a crutch. Anybody watch This Is Us? The rest of y'all, we're going to have a prayer line um, outside of the church. Because clearly you, you do not touch with your emotions enough. <laughs> but on This Is Us, one of the scenes, calm down. I'm not going to tell you, like, the current stuff. Y'all be acting, oh, Pastor Jerry, you always ruining stuff for everybody. Cause you always, like, calm down. You should watch it quicker. That's not my fault. <laughs> but one of the older episodes... Kevin, the brother, is in rehab, and during this rehab experience, he's having an intervention from his siblings and his mother, and instead of accepting responsibility for his own behavior, he begins to blame the present things that are going on in his life on his ancestry. He says, well, my father was a drunk, and my grandfather was a drunk, and his sister Kate, she's like, so what? What does that mean? The same is true for us. We allow our ancestry to dictate our present. And God is saying to us in this passage, remember the past things. Don't even focus on the things of the past because God is doing something current in your life. He's doing something in the present and you'll miss it if you're focusing on the past. That's why he says pay no attention to the things of the past. See, God, he's telling us, don't pay attention to the stuff of the old. What he's saying here, he said, don't even ponder on those things. We get so stuck trying to mentally undo our past. We're focusing on our past all the time. We say, if I would have been more attentive in school, I'd have a better job by now. No, you wouldn't. The reason why you don't have a good job is because you're not, you're not applying yourself right now. We say stuff like, if I was better, born in a better community and raised in a different home, I'd be successful right now. Now listen, we're all products of our environment to some extent. But that has nothing to do with your present reality. I'm here to let you know that you can, you can turn your life around through the power of God and the Holy Spirit working in your life. And you applying the truths here in this scripture to your life. Your whole life can turn around and change. I'm here to let you know that. I'm a kid from Camden, New Jersey. And God has done amazing things in my life. Not because of me, but because I allowed the Holy Spirit to work in my life. And the same is true for you. And then some of you on a higher level, you go, you know, if I would have invested in the Google when it was popping off, I'd be a millionaire right now. Like, all right, buddy, like, slow it down. <laughs> you wouldn't. But, hey, listen, you can still be a millionaire. Just call the show. They always ask who wants to be a millionaire. Just tell them, I want to be a millionaire. 
That show don't even come on no more. I'm sorry. It's outdated. But God is saying we need to distinguish our past from our present. See, the things of old, he says, don't even, don't, even, don't even think on the things of old. The things of old ought to be ancient history in our hearts. And it leads me to my next idea is that we must focus on the new. We must focus on the new. Join me in verse 19. He says, look. Somebody say, look. look. I am about to do something new. See, God wants to show you something. He wants to show you something that you have never seen before. See, God wants to blow your mind with what he's able to do in your life. But when you are constantly pondering your past and you're constantly consumed by the things that you've done and you're constantly thinking on the things that are in your past, you cannot see what God is presently doing in your life. That's why God says here, look. In other words, God's saying, I want you to pay close attention to who I am in order to prepare you for what I'm capable of doing. See, I, I, I preached this some weeks ago, talking about Jacob when he was wrestling with the angel. And he called, uh, when the angel called him by name, Jacob responded and he said, here I am. And that's the same Hebrew word now being used by God. So when God says, look, what he's really saying is, here I am. See, you've got to stop focusing on your hurt because God is sitting there saying, listen, don't focus on that. Look, here I am. When your situations look bleak and circumstances look rough, God says, stop looking at that stuff. Here I am. When things look topsy-turvy and rocky and stuff is going crazy in your life, God says, stop looking at that stuff because here I am. God wants you to see him clearly. He wants you to stop focusing on those broken relationships in your past because he's a better lover to you than any of them could have ever been. See, so here he says, listen, I'm about to do I'm about to do something new. When, if God says I'm about to do something new in your life, you should get excited. Like when God's pointing to you and he's showing you, look, I'm getting ready to do new stuff in your life, you ought to get really, really excited about what God is going to do. Because listen, if, if, if your boo come home and say, listen, I'm going to make a new meal for you, you get excited. When your boo come home and listen, and they say, listen, I got you a new, I got you a new outfit, you get really excited. So when God says, I'm getting ready to do something new, you ought to get excited in your heart and in your soul because God is up to something in the life of his people and he will not turn away from his promises to you. So look, he said about to do something new. He's getting ready to do do something in, their, in the lives and in the life of our church. In other words, God is saying, I'm getting ready to accomplish something in your life that you believe God for for some time. Some of you have been believing God for some things. Some of you have been waiting on God to, to, to move on that job. You've been waiting for God to move in your marriage. You've been waiting on God to move in that pregnancy. You've been waiting on God to move in your life. But God will move on your behalf. But I want you to catch the impetus of this here. This word bears the implication of pressing or squeezing something. It means to fashion, but it, it talks about pressing or squeezing something. Where are my vegans at? 
Got some vegans in the house? None. Whew. We're doing good this service. No, I'm, I'm playing. I'm playing. Part-time. Part-time vegans. It's okay. But vegans do a lot of juicing. Anybody juice? That's a better question. Who does a lot of juicing? Okay. One person. Amen. Y'all better get yourselves together. Get you some juice. <laughs> but anytime you get ready to juice, say an orange, right? You have to cut the orange in half. And after you cut the orange in half, you place it on top of this cone-shaped thing called an orange press. There we go. I couldn't remember what it was called. It's called an orange press. And you place it on top of the orange press, and you begin to twist it and turn it on top of the press. And then what comes out, what happens outside, out of that twisting and turning of that, of, that, of that orange comes out a sweet, somewhat healthy juice. But hear me, when you lift up the orange off of the orange press, it looks differently than it looked before. It doesn't look the same. But what has been produced from the twisting and the squeezing and the pressing is a product for which the orange was created. So when God presses you on the juicer of life... He is preparing you to be that which he has created to you to be. And if the, if the orange keeps focusing on the past, he would never accomplish that for which God has created him. If he keeps going, man, I used to be a pretty orange with all this stuff, he'll miss the fact that God is producing something out of him through the pressing of him on the juice press. And God has been pressing some of you on the juice press. God has been pressing some of you. You've been wondering, God, what are you doing? I've just been going through so many things. I don't know what's happening in my life right now. I feel like you've abandoned me. I feel like you just turned your back on me. But in that moment, God is saying, I've got you on the juicer of life, and I am producing something on the inside of you that will be what I created you to be. So if you can't keep focusing on your past, I know you've been through the ringer, but hear me. Just like that orange, Jesus went through the ringer for you and me. See, his life was filled with twists and turns. The people who were supposed to receive him, they rejected him. He had the flesh ripped out of his body, just like that orange did, to the point where his blood spilled out and it produced something new in our lives. And I'm here to let you know today that it was because of that blood that you have cleansing of your sins. It was because of that blood that you have newness of life in Jesus Christ. And it was because he committed himself to be pressed and squeezed out as a sacrifice before God the Father. Jesus went through all of that because he was getting ready to do something new. And for most of us, that means that God is looking to give us a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. See, some of us have such stony hearts that we, won't, we, we don't look at our past. We can't look past our past to see the Savior. You won't stop building memorials to your past long enough to make memories in community with the other people of God. You just so focus on the bad stuff that happened to you, building memorials to it. But you don't you you don't know how much uh, you don't know how much God is working on your behalf all the time. 
See, God wants to put a new spirit in you, and, and, and that spirit, and, and the word means in English, that he wants to give you a new, a new attitude, a new disposition, and a new enthusiasm. So when you forget about your past, God will, when you forget about your past, God will give you a new attitude about being around the same people who hurt you. See, some of us, when we get hurt by people, we take the attitude that I have nothing to do with them. I don't want nothing to do with them. I don't want them to talk to me. Just leave me alone. But when you forget about your past, God will give you a new attitude. When you forget about your past, God will give you a new disposition towards those who you think are your enemies. Some of us have concocted enemies in our minds that aren't even enemies. We're walking around acting like people are our enemies. I'm sorry, let me translate it to us. Y'all walking around like y'all got haters. You don't got as many haters as you think you got, so just chill. Facts. Probably walking around some of them, my haters. I don't know about that. Maybe Jimmy was just upset with you that day. Like, just relax. <laughs> haters. When you forget about your past, God will give you a new will to serve those who have done you a disservice in the past. When you forget about your past, God will give you a new enthusiasm about living in community, even though you feel like there's a potentiality for you to be hurt by people. But God will give you an enthusiasm when you forget about your past. Watch this. When we do good to those who have hated on us and hurt us, it confuses the heck out of them. They don't know what to do. So God is saying, listen, don't focus on that. Just keep on moving. Don't focus on the old things, but keep on moving towards the new. I'm doing a new thing in you. I'm doing something new in your life. I'm transforming you. I'm creating you into something different. You're like a, you're like a caterpillar going into, into its cocoon. I'm creating something in you that looks differently because when you come out on the other side of that thing, you're going to be different. You're going to be stronger. You're going to fly higher than you ever flew before. And God is doing something new in your life. Watch this. He says, even now. That is good. That is good to me. He says, even now. So this new thing that God wants to do, he's saying, I'm, I'm doing it even now. I know it doesn't seem like God's up to anything. I know it doesn't seem like God is working, but he's saying, I'm doing it even now. See, I grew up in a black church. And we had testimony service. So during testimony service, folks would stand up and they would thank God for what he's currently doing in their life and, and talk a little bit about how God had delivered them from their past. And when they get up there, uh, I don't know what they were saying, why they said this, but they say, I want to thank God on today because uh, God has been good to me on today. And the Lord has been gracious on today. And I was struggling on my job on today and things were not working out on today. And all this stuff was happening on today. But God is good on today. And I'm a kid. I'm like on today what does that mean <laughs> what like what's wrong with what's wrong with yesterday like it's bad but listen they understood something the old church understood something that theologians refer to as the already but not yet or a kingdom theology. See, it is the ethic that God's kingdom and all of his benefits are already afforded to us, but we don't have full access to them yet. 
See, the, the already but the not yet is what God has given to each and every one of us. According to Ephesians chapter 1, he's giving us every spiritual blessing, but we've got to figure out a way to tap into the stuff that God has given to us. And we've got full benefit of everything that God has given to us. We just got to figure out how to access it. But some of the stuff that God has promised to us, we have it now, but we won't have it in full until he comes. Like world peace. We want world peace. Want everybody to be happy and want everybody to be peaceful. That's not coming until the Prince of Peace returns. See, we want joy and, and joy unspeakable. And we can have joy right now already, but there's coming a time where our joy will be complete in Jesus. But see, here is what we must understand. Is that our faith is forged in the already, but not yet. See, you can't forget about your past. You can forget about your past because God has something in store for you in the future. Here he says, it's coming. That peace that you've been waiting on is coming. That unity that you've been waiting for in your marriage is coming. That unspeakable joy that you've been longing for and desiring, guess what? It's coming. The unending love that you desire is getting ready to sprout up in your life. It's getting ready to do something new. Watch this, God. Well, here's what God says. Do you not see it? Do, do, do you not see it yet? See, I love the questions that God asks. God asks the best questions. See, because God knows who he is. And he knows what he's capable of doing. So he asks you the question. He says, listen, I know it's dark where you are, but I sit outside of time. Do you not see it yet? I, I, I know that you're struggling in your situation, but I'm a God who's in control of everything. Do you not see it yet? See, God is he, he's asking us these good questions here. But watch this. God is saying you can't even realize what has been revealed to you because you're too busy focusing on your past. Don't get caught in the quick drying cement of your past. See, most of us are in the quick drying cement of our past and we can't see what God is up to because we're so busy standing there and sitting in what we think we should be focused on, which is our past. But God is saying, no, forget about that. Focus on the new thing. God's saying, you don't even have to, you don't even know and you haven't even begun to learn what I have in store for you. When you decide to forget about the old and focus on the new. See here, God says, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. God is saying that I'm getting ready to transform your present condition despite your tumultuous past. See, this word for make, it carries the figurative meaning <clears throat> Of extending compassion. See, you might feel like in the midst of you walling out and you turning from God and in the midst of you running from God and in the midst of you not obeying the words of God, you might feel like God has no compassion for you. But I'm here to let you know that you can never outrun the compassion of God. It's just not possible. You can never empty the well of God's compassion. It is unending. You can never use up God's compassion for you because he gave everything to you when he died on the cross for you. 
And see, no matter what you've done, God still has a path for you. He says, I'm getting ready to make a way for you. Where? In the wilderness. Hear this. God will make a way for you in the wilderness. Rivers in the desert. Here's the part that I love. God says rivers here. That river is referring to the stream that flows. Figuratively, it can, it can mean a flood or an overflowing. God is saying to his people that I will make a flood for you in a dry and desolate place. See, you might feel like you're in the midst of a wilderness right now, but God is preparing you for an overflowing in your life. He says, I will flood you with blessings. I will flood you with my mercy. I will flood you with my grace. I will flood you with my kindness. I will flood you with my goodness. That doesn't mean that everything's going to be all right. You're going to have sunshine and rainbows, and you're going to have to be prosperous and all that stuff. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that even in the midst of your desert, even in the midst of your dry place, God will make it so that you feel like you're overflowing with everything that he has for you. See, God says, I will make you prosper even in a dry and desolate place. When your past makes you feel like you're all alone, remember that God has a plan for your life. You just have to forget about your past. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word, God. Lord, we pray, worship team, you can come. God, we pray, Lord, that you would remind us, God, that we are yours. Like this passage here in Isaiah. Remind us of your redemptive love for us, God. Teach us. Direct us, God. Lead us into all truth. Help us to forget about the things of our past and focus on the new. God, teach us a new ethic about loving you. Teach us a new ethic about depending on you. Teach us a new ethic about what it means to rely on you. As we forget our past, help us to focus on our present. God, I pray, Lord, for these, your people, God, under the sound of my voice. Teach them to love you and love your ways. And help us to forget the old things and focus on the new thing that you're doing. It's in Jesus' name.